This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Daylight savings time has occurred. We are, um, although a storm is approaching, you know, it's starting to feel a little bit more like spring, I guess. I don't know if that's just a uh, perception, but one of the things that really starts to transition us out of the winter and into the spring is the NCAA Men's Division One Basketball Championship commonly known as March Madness. And whether you are somebody who is completely casual about this, um, I, I would assume if you're listening to this, you have a certain level of interest, but perhaps you just want to hear our guests' beautiful vocalizations today, and that's why you're listening. But whether you're involved in some kind of office pool or whatever, or if you're actually going to wager on games, or if you're just somebody who's a fan of sports um, in general, College basketball, look out. Here we go. It is tis the season, and things tip off in Dayton. Uh, we're recording on Monday, so it tips off tomorrow with the first four. Providing us with the most exceptional analysis you will find anywhere is WPRO sports producer and co-host of the Kevin Max Sports Hour on WPRO, 6 o'clock weekdays, the one and only Brett Fruccio. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Bill. It is a uh, it's a pleasure to be back. Uh, my second appearance here on the Bartholomew Town podcast. Um, yes. uh, and I'm doing it remote. So now I've done one in person and one remote. That's got to put me in some sort of EGOT type club, I would imagine. Right? It's a it's a limited edition. Probably less than ten people have done both formats. You know, and there you go. It's it's like a BGOT. I love it. The last time you were here was with uh, with Andy Gresh. Now that was when you were on the Gresh show on on WPRO again. Now you're with the mighty Kevin McNamara, K Mac, as he That's is right. known throughout the land. And uh, March Madness. Um, I mean, you know, this, it's a time of year where, in terms of sports on the sports calendar, you're coming off of what used to be a really desolate period, the end of the Super Bowl and March Madness. I guess you could argue the conference tournaments in college basketball. We're kind of the revitalization of sports, a little bit spring training, but now we're getting to a time of year in the sports calendar where things start to get exciting again, where, you know, obviously with college basketball, obviously you've got spring training ramping up. You've got a little bit more interest in from, from a general audience in NBA basketball, even in hockey and the masters are coming up, but the marquee event in a lot of ways is March madness. It's, it just sort of transcends uh, into pop culture, at least in a way that that college sports in the Northeast, especially, don't do otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, uh, half the country knows about a nun from Chicago, right? And why That's do right. we know? Why do we know about Sister Jean? Because uh, you know Loyola Chicago made a run in the tournament, and you know things like that happen all the time that really you know suck in the masses. So it's not just the fact that anybody can you know throw out a $20 bill and and win a bracket pool but there are all these other side stories i mean you know you and i are of an age now where we're used to gonzaga being gonzaga right but we're also of that age where we saw that happen right and out of that you know who are these guys where is gonzaga spokane washington huh these guys they they seem to be you know upset killers and now they, 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 or giant killers rather. And they did it for so long that now they're an established team and they're at the top of the rankings year in and year out. So yeah, the, these storylines are, are great. And they're what suck people in. And I always tell people, Bill, 
Uh, I was born in March of 1983, so yes, thank you for your birthday uh, wishes right here. No. On, happy uh, birthday. On happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but what I always tell people is that was the year that, you know, Jim Valvano and NC State made this absolutely berserk run through the NCAA tournament, upsetting everybody. Now, obviously, I was, uh, you know, an infant, but I like to tell people that I think that seeped in somehow because that's what made me you know, just crazy for college basketball. And I, I really always have been my entire life. So that's why I'm excited for the tournament and I'm excited to come on and uh, talk to you about it. Yeah. And that Valvano famous literal run onto the court, you know, is a famous kind of iconic moment. Um, Looking for somebody to hug. He couldn't find anybody to hug. That's right. Greatest teeth in college basketball of all time as well. You must pretty good, pretty uh, absolutely. Good. So, uh, you know, last year was St. Peter's. That was the darling of America, really, you know, Doug right. was Doug. Um, I almost said Doug Peterson. That would not be the uh, the correct person. But uh, what he plays for Brian now? Why do I not know his name? <laughs> yeah, but Doug Eddard. Eddard. Yes, Doug thank Eddard, you. Exactly. Right. Of course, with the, uh, you know, the the look of uh, that the, the, the ladies fell for, um, so to speak. Who do you have your he eye on? Like somebody you, he looked like somebody you would have been hanging out with in Brooklyn. Absolutely. That's, straight that's out basically the look he had. And yeah, St. Peter's made that run. Shaheen Holloway was able to uh, parlay that into uh, the head coaching job at his alma mater, Seton Hall. So again, that's another part of the tournament too. You get these up and coming coaches that sort of push forward and, and make a name for themselves. So there's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of opportunity to be had. And if you're, if you're asking me for who the next St. Peter's is, uh, that's certainly a tall order. Uh, and I certainly wouldn't recommend if you're filling out your bracket uh, and you're trying to predict the next St. Peter's, or the next VCU, or the next George Mason, these teams that have made these unlikely runs through the tournament in years past, it, it's a fool's errand, and, and you could really get caught up in yourself where suddenly you have you know, a sweet 16 with two 12s, a 13, and you know, a 9, and all the 1s have lost. And yeah, you, know, you might have a shot at, at taking down uh, you know, some sort of mythical ESPN or Warren Buffett prize but uh, more often than not, you're going to find yourself after the first weekend saying, man, I, I probably just should have gone with uh, a little more chalk there. And and maybe I would have been a little more successful. But, yeah, there there's some I've been looking at the brackets all morning and there are some teams that pop in terms of, you know, their ability as higher seeds to make a run. Uh, and there are other, like VCU, who I just sure. named is in the West region, which unfortunately for them is stacked. But as a 12 seed. They could take down St. Mary's uh, and then they'd be looking at a matchup against UConn or Iona, which again, that's, that's tough sledding, but you know, I mean, it, it, you have to be bold. I, I would say if I'm giving bracket advice in general, just general advice, you have to be bold, but you want, you don't want to be silly. Like I just said. So, you know, you want to look for those teams in the highest leverage spots where you'll have them and no one else will. So you don't want to get too cute. But, you know, you know that it's not going to be all the favorites winning because it never is any year. Yeah, you mentioned that UConn-Iona game. That's an interesting game in and of itself. Ooh, I, I mean, love obviously, it. Rick Pitino at Iona and UConn with Danny Hurley. And UConn's been up and down this year. You know, they they ultimately finished strong enough to, you know, earn that four seed. But uh, that's an area where somebody might look at and say, you know, again, I'm not giving advice here. Please don't blame me if your um, vehicles right. are repossessed. But uh, that's an interesting matchup. Yeah, it's an interesting matchup. Uh, someone, you know, Eileen, I know you know this, and, uh, you know, some of your listeners may know me. I'm, I'm heavy into analytics when it comes to 
uh, ranking these teams and just betting in general because for years, you know, I got upset that, oh, man, Vegas is always right. You know, Vegas, how are they always? They always get this stuff. And so what you try to do is, you know, use the stuff that they use, you know, and sort of lean on them. And, and the reason I bring that up is because UConn, as a four seed, uh, they might be the fourth best team in the country, period. From an analytical standpoint, uh, you'll find them in the top five of, of most, you know, good analytical ratings. So matched up against Iona, it, it's a sexy matchup because of the Rick Pitino factor. Uh, a lot of people think Rick Pitino is coaching his last games at Iona and uh, will be headed to St. John's sooner rather than later. So uh, interesting on that front where maybe Hurley's coaching against a former or future rather uh, Big East uh, foe. But yeah, the Yukon Huskies, you know, Providence fans saw them. They're playing some of the best basketball in the country right now. And that West region uh, where Kansas is the number one seed is pretty stacked. Uh, you, you look at Kansas uh, coming out of the Big 12. Bill Self has been sick, uh, but he's allegedly going to be back for the tournament. They, much like UConn, are analytically, you know, a top six, top eight team. Oddly enough, most people would have uh, UConn ahead of them. You find the Gonzaga Bulldogs in that same region. We just talked about them a little bit just in terms of their, you know, national profile and things like that. They're playing some of the best basketball in the country right now. They just blew out St. Mary's, who's a five seed in that region. They, they trounced them by like 30 in the West Coast Conference Championship. And St. Mary's is a good team. So, you know, there are people who are going to look at St. Mary's in that VCU game that we just talked about and say, well, you know, they just got smoked like a sturgeon against Gonzaga. I'm not going to pick them. But, you know, stranger things have happened, and especially when it comes to betting, uh, teams that get blown out the game before the tournament, they cover the spread in the first round at about a 65% clip. So, you know, you, you think you know because the team just got, you know, blown out that, oh, they're not, they're not playing well, and that doesn't mean they're going to win. But uh, there are a lot of trends that tell you things that, that you may not see with your eye. And then we got, you know, a team I know you and I both really love down there, UCLA, yeah. uh, matching up in the first round against UNC Asheville. And UCLA is without uh, one of their better players. Uh, Jalen Clark has been injured. He's one of the best defensive players in the country. Uh, PC fans think maybe like Devin Carter-ish. Like that's the type of defensive impact uh, Clark brings to the table. So for UCLA to be without him, I know my futures bets uh, wish that, you know, he was still on the team, but that's just a really stacked region from top to bottom. And I could see anybody really coming out of there right now, but just, just a lot of talent. We didn't even talk about TCU who has a great team as well, but I think all eyes will be, and rightfully so on UConn, Kansas and UCLA. Yeah. When you look at the number one seeds, Alabama, Houston, Kansas and Purdue. Is there a team that jumps out to you that has any kind of vulnerability, not necessarily in the first or even second round of the tournament, but just in terms of making a run that's significant beyond even the sweet 16, anybody jump out that you say, that's my weakest one seed. Yeah. I mean, I don't like Purdue and I haven't liked Purdue all season. Uh, the kids, Zach Eady, they're seven, four big man. Uh, I, I just think, Hey, if this were 1983, what we were talking about, then you know what? I would probably march that team straight to through to the final four because that's back to the basket basketball. You got a big guy who's tough to stop. 
Uh, and it's not like Purdue is just a one-man show, but, you know, I just keep watching all year. And, hey, they won the Big Ten, and they won the Big Ten tournament, so you know, who am I? Uh, but Purdue, when I look at that top line, uh, Purdue is definitely a team that sticks out to me as one where I don't have nearly as much confidence in them as I do the other three number one seeds. Providence, the Providence Friars, you know, they're an 11 seed. They match up against Kentucky. It's not Kentucky's best year ever. That's for sure. Um, nonetheless, it's John Calipari. It's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not an easy matchup. The Friars started out in what was, you know, maybe not a repeat of last year from, from any standpoint, but, but a good season, a very good season. Not, I don't want to say a collapse towards the end, but certainly a regression, uh, and, and, you know, public opinion has soured on them. They were the last team into the tournament, excluding the first four teams that will play in the first four portion of the tournament this Tuesday. What do you make of the Friars this year from a local standpoint, even, um, you know, not even in terms of any kind of wager or if you're in an office pool, but can we expect to see Providence playing this coming weekend even? Yeah, I I think it's going to be a tall order. I mean, you know, you got the, the revenge factor, right? Bryce Hopkins uh, started his college career at Kentucky. He didn't really play, transferred to Providence. He's averaged 16 and a half points, nine rebounds per game uh, for Ed Cooley's Friars. But Providence has really sort of lost their identity uh, coming down the stretch. This is a team and a program that usually likes to focus on defense and toughness. And, you know, this year, Riding off of last year, you know, uh, and I and I encouraged this. I'm I'm sure he listened uh, as well, but I encouraged you know Ed Cooley. You, you got to open up your offense. You have all these now great offensive players. You know, last year with Durham and Horkler, Manaya, and guys like that, and now Hopkins, I think, is the most talented uh, of the bunch as of yet. And so they did, but I I think along the way they sort of lost you know, that toughness lost that defense teams like Xavier Seton hall, uh, you know, they, UConn started really lighting them up and, and taking advantage of them inside and just getting to those loose balls. So, you know, it's going to be a tough spot for Providence. The, the silver lining, as we talked about after their loss to UConn is they seem to sort of find something in the second half against the Huskies. Right. And, you know, the Huskies are one of the best teams in the country. So that's, you know, that can be a tough bar to sort of meet. But, uh, you know, if Ed Cooley is able to sort of mix and match correctly, uh, then then Providence does have a shot because, look, you know, I was at Syracuse in 2003 when the Orange won the national championship. And I said before this season started that this Providence team kind of looked like that Syracuse team to me. If mm. Bryce Hopkins could be a Carmelo Anthony type impact player, and, and I said at the time, too, like, that's a really high bar. I, I understand that. But at the same time, a lot of similarities, similar size, similar pedigree in terms of, you know, coming out of high school and things like that. And Hopkins has had a very good season, all first team, all Big East. But my bar when I, you know, when I was saying that, it was like I, I thought he would be someone who could potentially be in the conversation for national player of the year. Someone who mm, could be really potentially a first team all American. And, and that's not a shot at the young man. He's had a tremendous season, but that's sort of, you know, had that happened, I think we'd be talking about Providence right now in a spot similar to where Xavier is as, as like a three seed with a bullet. Um, but that being said that, that all of that is still there. There's still a very talented team. Uh, I just think it's really tough 
to flip that specific switch, the defensive and intensity switch. If you're missing threes, I think you can flip that switch. But if you aren't playing with toughness and intensity the way Ed Cooley's Friars normally are, I, I think it's going to be tough to flip that switch, and they're going to have their hands full in the first round against Kentucky, that's for sure. Mm, well, at least they're not the Rams, you know, put it that way. They're, they're in yeah. the tournament. They have something, some momentum going. Now, what do you make of the, the rumors surrounding Ed Cooley and potentially departing for, be it Georgetown, um, you know, or, or anywhere else? I mean, he's been named as a potential coaching candidate at other schools. If I recall Michigan at one point, you know, it's, it's right. been there. What do you make of the rumors? Well, that's a lot of smart. There are a lot of smart uh, athletic directors and SIDs around the country because Ed Cooley would be one of my first calls. Uh, if I had an opening, I've long had just tremendous respect uh, for Ed Cooley. Even before I started covering the Friars, uh, I, I've just always admired the way he runs his program the types of players he brings into his program and uh, the way he's able to get a lot out of his players. So I can't fault any program for, um, for wanting to reach out and, uh, and possibly bring it on board. That being said, uh, I don't know what someplace like Georgetown offers him that Providence doesn't aside from maybe more money. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I, I can't fault anybody for wanting to take more money. Uh, that's certainly not, I, I always say, Bill, when people ask me about stuff like this, I'm like, I'm the wrong guy to ask because I, I wanted Brad Stevens to stay at Butler. I thought that was a pretty right. good gig, right? It's like, what hey, a Jim Laranaga to stay at uh, George Mason. I mean, come on. That's now. right. I mean, Hey, what, what, what's the big deal? You're making a bunch of money and, uh, you're running things your way. So I understand that money is a main motivator, but from where I sit, I, I really think that's the only thing that Georgetown can offer the, the days of Georgetown being a major player are, are over, right? And, you know, as a Syracuse fan, uh, I know that better than anyone. And we're, we're probably next on the, uh, on the legacy chopping block. But, you know, the, I guess the story would be he's going to go down there and, you know, restore Georgetown. And it's just like, man, you're doing it here, right? You, you've built a program that to me is on par with anything Georgetown has ever had. So, Again, I think it would just take money, uh, but it's smart of Georgetown to call. I will say uh, Kevin McNamara brought up a great point that I hadn't even really considered. Uh, Val Ackerman, the commissioner of the Big East, you would think she'd be pretty interested in, in what's going on here because whenever you bring in a coach, as Georgetown would be doing, you want it to strengthen your conference, right? That just sort of makes sense. But that obviously wouldn't be the case here. Uh, unless then Providence turned around in my scenario and got Rick Pitino, brought Ricky we back, go. right? Ricky. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I can't blame any program for wanting Ed Cooley, but I, I would be a little surprised. I have no information, but I would be a little surprised if uh, Georgetown was the one that eventually got it done. All right. It's the elephant in the room, pun fully intended based on the logo of their program, but Alabama, um, you know, the, the summary is that Darius Miles is a former player. He was involved and has been indicted and charged with capital murder. And star player Brandon Miller um, allegedly here, you know, supplied a weapon and potentially blockaded an exit in that murder. Yet Miller has still been on the floor. He still played that in and of itself has yielded tremendous controversy in fact there have been some commentators that have been screaming that you know you've got scenarios where you know 
the most minute NCAA violations, you know, a coach buys his team pizza with personal funds that blows up into, you know, an apocalyptic type scenario. Yet you've got somebody on the floor who is a star player that is in one way, shape or form tied to a murder. Your take on Alabama, can they overcome this as a one seed and find themselves, you know, in a legitimate position as a contender in the tournament? But more importantly, you know, what is this? What is this story? And how is Miller on the floor playing college basketball in the midst of this this murder? Yeah, I tell you, it's a bad look for CBS uh, all the way around. The fact that they have yeah. to deal with this. Uh, they started off the broadcast last night and, you know, Greg Gumbel comes on and awkwardly, I mean, awkwardly is generous. Yeah. Uh, addresses the situation. <laughs> Alabama sidestepped some sort of off the. I mean, you made it sound like you know the guy got a flat tire on the way to the arena, and it's just yeah. like okay, like you knew this was going to be sloppy, but yeah, I mean, look, it, it, I know nothing about law enforcement, particularly in Alabama, and I don't pretend to be a district attorney, but I know that looking from the outside, it certainly seems strange that what Miller has uh, admitted to doing. Uh, isn't worthy of some sort of criminal complaint or some sort of charges being filed. I'm not saying the kid should be in jail necessarily or anything like that, but the fact that nothing arose from that just seems strange to me, but Hey, maybe it seems strange because of what I laid out that I don't know anything about that stuff. Uh, I thought from the jump bill that this was a no brainer for Alabama, basically of all places you sit him, uh, he is going to be a lottery pick. He will be getting millions of dollars in the NBA within months. Okay. So the, the, the talk of, oh, you know, the, the kid's future. Hey, I, again, I don't want to necessarily say the kid can't have a future and cancel the kid because of, of his alleged involvement in this, but this is, that's, that's step one of why this is such a gimme for Alabama. They should have just sat him down because they know, okay, you know what? We don't want this on our program. And uh, this is a bad look and this kid's going to be fine anyway. Right. So that would be number right. one. And number two, from an Alabama standpoint, which make, made this a no brainer for me, is the football program. OK, everybody knows as much as we like March Madness, football runs the show when it comes to NCAA sports. It's the football TV contracts. That's where all the money is. And nobody should know that better than the University of Alabama, who's had the best and most profitable football program in the country for the better part of the last 25 years or so, right? So, I mean, they are putting him out there in an attempt to win an NCAA basketball championship. Uh, and I know, like, again, I love college basketball and I know how important that is, but it's almost like, why? It's like, you, you know, like you, you need everything, do you, Alabama? You need to have the best football team and the best basketball team, you couldn't just sort of, you know, let things be here in terms of, you know, this isn't a good look for us to be playing this guy. Uh, and maybe we should sit him down so that, you know, we just don't have to have this hanging over our program. So to me, it would have just been an easy choice for them to sit him down uh, amidst all this because it's a tragic situation. Someone was murdered, right? And, and he was there. And just because he hasn't been charged, Again, do doesn't mean he has to be, you know, part of the basketball team moving forward. And, you know, people like you and I, Bill, would probably want to ask, be like, hmm, I wonder if he were averaging three points a game, if he right. would still be on the team. Right. So to me, it just seems like, 
you know, a greedy situation from the Alabama Crimson Tide. That being said, I mean, if people are going to reluctantly accept this, I guess, after that, but they're one of the most complete teams in the country, and there's good reason why they're a number one seed. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised that they'll be hanging around deep into the tournament. All right. Do you have a a pick for a national champion that you can reveal? Or are we uh, encroaching on an upcoming episode of the KMAC sports hour? If we ask that question, what's the, what's going on here? No, there are neither, neither of those things are, uh, are true. I don't have a pick yet. Uh, I, look, I was a big booster of the Creighton blue Jays all season long. Uh, they very much have disappointed me. Uh, I've been a big booster of the Marquette golden Eagles uh, so far. They have not uh, disappointed. And we talked about UCLA earlier. Uh, you know, I, I, I'd be all in on them uh, if, if they were fully healthy, but it's just unfortunate uh, right now that they're not. The one piece of advice I can give uh, to people out there is, you know, if you are looking to, you know, bet on the NCAA tournament, I advise taking some of these longer shots you like and betting them to win the whole thing. And you can set yourself up in a position where either you can hedge against yourself once they make it deeper into the tournament. And that could be a little tricky, but it's, it's really not as hard as people think. Uh, or you could just, again, it's from an enjoyment standpoint, right? So you get in these situations where, oh, I think, you know, the number one team is the best team and you want to bet on them to win. That's totally fine too. But uh, the, the payout just isn't there. And the excitement factor, like we're looking to build the excitement, right, Bill? So exactly. Uh, I, I would look at futures bets, and, and if you're looking at teams, there's really no better place to look than the Big East. Like I said, Marquette, UConn, Creighton, Xavier, you'd be in good company betting with uh, all those teams to cut down the nets, and, and I expect the Big East to have a very good NCAA tournament. He's Brett Fruccio at Rooch Nation on Twitter. You can hear him every single weeknight, 6 o'clock on WPRO, along with KMAC on the KMAC Sports Hour, and a living legend. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you, Bill. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, ask me anytime, and uh, if I don't say no, I'll be back. Beautiful.